You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with your host, Scott Albrecht and Michael Neal of Service Star Consulting. We mix it up today. We're in the kitchen and we're talking about cooking up some coaching for credit unions. And Taylor, our CEO, is asking the question. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Credit Union Leadership Podcast. This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal, Executive Director and Founder of Service Star Consulting. Service Star has been helping credit unions grow for over 20 years in three growth areas leadership development, cultural development, and management development. If you're interested in learning how Service Star can help your credit union, check out ServiceStarConsulting.com. Today's producer is myself, Scott Albrecht, AVP of Sales and Training. I love it. Well, yeah, Scott Albrecht, my man, you are just a ball of energy and enthusiasm, and this is great to be on this side of it. So I, uh, I am here in the flesh, and I would love to just start off. I had a few questions here that I, I just wanted to ask you, and just to get your off-the-cuff responses. You may have something in the back of your mind, uh, a few of them, but hopefully some catch you off guard. Um, <laughs> And I guess more than anything, you hear those terms like coach or leader or manager or all. So to you, coaching, if you hear that, what what's your definition of coaching? Yeah, before I came to Service Star Consulting, I thought coaching was just reserved for sports uh, in general. So I hear a coach and I think, you know, uh, my soccer coach or the football coach that told me I would never make it uh, in football. And he, he was dead <laughs> right. I mean, I'm a fisherman for a reason. There is there is no strength in my uh, football ability. Um, and, and really, I, I did not coach a whole, whole lot. Uh, didn't have coaching training. I would say previous to coming to Service Star, I was a manager who I managed outcomes and um, and really was uh, missing on a big piece of what leadership is, which I would define leadership as both management and coaching. So I, I believe coaching is not just saying you need to hit more home runs, but sitting with the person trying to hit the 98 mile an hour fastball and saying, you know, your elbow, your elbow needs to be up higher. Right. So like your elbow needs yeah, right there, like right where it starts to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Put it up a little bit higher from there. And that's, and that's, that's where it needs to be. And your foot needs to be on the, you need to move your foot. No, that's too far. Yeah. Right there. Now you can hit a 98 mile an hour fastball when we overmanage we're just saying you need to hit more home runs. You need to hit more home runs. And we're not actually giving the employee anything that would allow them to hit the home run. Like, hey, maybe the next time a member walks in, you take a look at their account profile and you see what they're not actually using with our credit union. Let's start there. How would you open up that conversation with some small talk? You know, those are the types of coaching conversations that I really lacked. And I'm super excited to be able to coach coaches today to give those those tools and those those ways to engage employees. Because the number one way to disengage an employee is to say, do more without actually giving them the things they have control over. You can't, you know, you have no control over whether or not a member opens up a checking account. You have no control over whether a member uh, finances or Tesla with you or not. What you have control over is the behaviors, and that's what you coach to. And so I'm super excited to be filling in that blank for, for most managers where we overmanage another coach in the credit union industry. Well, you, you packed a lot into four word questions. So I, I, I love it. <laughs> so I think that's a good point. I am actually. So you end up on a podcast. Can't stop talking. No, let's get them on the podcast. Well, I just became a coach for my four year old son's T ball team. And so I went in with that mindset of, you know, what is coaching? And I think you hit it right on the head. It's, it's sitting, I think what I took out of that 
for me is next to them, not across from them. And, you know, when you sit at a desk or a table, you're looking at someone across from that table. But no, with a coach, you're next to them. You're making someone uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, no matter how much coaching I get, I can't hit a 98 mile an hour fastball. Well, well, and here's here's the other side of coaching, right? So it is being next to them. And so you're going to have people who are natural hitters, right? So they're, they're comfortable in that, that box. They're going to walk right up into that box. Maybe they're going to walk right in front of the ball and get beanballed on purpose because they want to get on base, right? But you're also going to have coaches that are timid that actually don't want to step into the box. And so it is going to be uncomfortable to have someone throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball close to your body. It's a coach's job to work through that discomfort, and you do that through repetition. You do that through practice. That's why you don't just show up to the baseball game. You work in the batter's cage. You work in the batter's box. You work in practice where we're maybe going at half speed so that when it comes to Sunday, you put the pads on and you're ready to go because you've actually gone through the reps. So it's a coach's responsibility to give those reps. And I see that a lot of coaches in the credit union industry uh, just expect the work to get done, but we actually don't spend enough time practicing on, hey, I'm a member, you're you. Let's role play what it may sound like if I were to uh, be offered a new product or service that I don't have today that would actually help me you know, financially live out my life better. Uh, better here at your credit union. So that's, that's yeah, and make those here at service star. Well, and, and make some of those mistakes before you're in the game, right? In a safe environment, stay safe. People say role play. Uh, the, the, the last word that they think of when they hear role play is probably safe, but that's really what it is. It's a safe yes. environment. We're just, we're two adults trying to get better at a skill set that at the end of the day is going to help us live our mission out with our credit union better. So, you know, although it's a, it is a barrier in most people's mind to want to practice something with, with anything, practicing a speech. I mean, how many times you go into a speech saying, man, I wish I would have practiced that some more. We don't naturally want to go to practice, right? What was the basketball player practice? You want to talk about practice? You know, he, he was a, he was a, he paid, he got paid professional big dollars to play basketball. And even he didn't want to go to practice. So it's a, it's a human nature thing to not want to practice a skill. But at the end of the day, if you want to be elite in your game, you got to go to practice. You said elite. You can be good, right? Which is natural core skills, and um, it's one hundred percent right with coaching. I a funny story, not to sidetrack, but I will. There's a kid on our t-ball team. He has two mitts, and he brings both mitts out into the field because he doesn't know which hand to throw with, and isn't comfortable throwing with either hand. So sitting and working with him to, to really, it's sitting next to him and, and showing that. Not that we're a sports podcast, ESPN, uh, Service Star 100, but to that to that point, uh, I think you've covered even some of my questions that I had, and it's not even fair. You're getting ahead of me. Um, <laughs> it's it's easy when you get to talk about it every time. I actually counted it up, and uh, I've done over a hundred coaching trainings since starting with uh, Service Star Consulting, and you know. Uh, Looking into this company, I, I saw that coaching was an aspect, but I really didn't know how much of a fundamental game changer it was until I started working with the sales and service piece of it and realizing that if we just train sales and service and go away, what's going to happen? Well, the same thing that when you train Bank Secrecy Act and go away does, right? <laughs> you remember all the things about the Bank Secrecy Act? I remember I got a call one day saying, uh, yeah, I think you guys are in violation of Bank Secrecy Act. And I had to like, look it up. I'd taken that dang thing seven times and I, I didn't even know what that was. Or, hey, you, you violated Regulation C. And I'm like, yeah, I know I've taken the training. I have no clue what that means. I need to go look that up and see what that is. So if you if you treat sales and services just another training, rinse, wash, repeat, 
your, your employees are going to look at it the same way. So coaching, we're with your coaches 13 months out of the year. We're with, we have six coaching trainings in a typical member experience builder setup. Why spend so much, six, six trainings, three hours each. Why spend so much time with the coaches? I just added it up for uh, a huge credit union client that's going through $4 billion. Um, I'm going to spend 90 hours. 90 hours, Taylor, with their coaches. Now they've got 30 branches and there's five different trainings. So it's not 30 or 90 hours with one coach. It's a bunch of coaches kind of mixed in, but it's a lot on coaching. The reason why is because if you have a coach that can hold you accountable to behavioral changes, if you change a behavior, you change an outcome. Training departments come and then they leave. So it's the coach's responsibility to actually implement those new skills. And a lot of times that's where it falls off. It falls off when you go into your one-on-one with your manager and they say, so let's take a look at the uh, results from last month. Yeah, February. Well, uh, so what do you think happened? Versus tell me about the last conversation that you had with the member in February. What product and service did you mention? See how it's a different situation where we're just looking at numbers and here's what it sounds like this usually. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, February is a short month and uh, <laughs> and, there's, and there's snow. So, you know, it's usually a bad month for us. But, you know, March, we got that auto loan promo in March, man. So you just whoa, watch out. March 31st, you know, it's going to it's going to be right. I mean, I had that conversation with you. You know, it's like <laughs> just staring at an Excel spreadsheet for an hour. Uh, questioning why the numbers are the way that they are versus asking, you know, tell me about a time when you actually caught somebody doing something right in your branch, right? How did you delegate uh, to to that uh, level of skill? Um, Did you do it at a level three? Did you tie it back to the mission? Let's practice. I'm, I'm the employee, you're you. Catch me doing that right at the level three. And so coaching the coaches goes a long ways. Having that coaching training is super, super helpful because at the end of the day, there's nothing more disengaging than talking about numbers every month for an hour with your manager. So it's the manager. It's the manager. And if you get the managers on board to this new way of, of missionally selling relationship selling, uh, then yeah, you'll have a, a different culture at the end of the day. Well, and it's that looking backwards, right? It's easy to look in the rearview mirror and see what you did or didn't do wrong or make up an excuse. But to your point of, yes, it's important to look at some of those results. But the other is what were the behaviors that went into that and what were the actions that are actually inside of your control? Yeah, because, of course, then always, even though July was supposed to be a good month, well, but it was always, now everyone was outside. We were short-staffed and, so, and, you know, vacations and, you know, but, and then, and then we also had that, remember when the, the computer system, yeah. And then, and then we had people working from home, but you know, August, wait, just wait till August. It's going <laughs> to be fantastic. Yeah. It's like, you know, what, what do you think happened is probably the worst question that we always ask, right? Or how can I help you? It's the worst question that we always ask. I mean, great questions yeah. for someone who's new, right? What do you think happened? Well, I don't know scimitar. Yeah. Well, let's work on that because you, you may want to know Scimitar. How can I help you? Great for someone who's new. Uh, I don't know anything. All right, great. Let's get you some training. So use the noses up. But when you got seasoned people who are able to do work at a very high level, they just don't, they're just not willing to do it at the level that they could. Now it's more of a question of what are you going to do differently? And that's the difference in our coaching. We're not just asking, hey, what, how can I help? Which is like how I was trained, how to get yeah, to what a one-on-one sounds like. How can I help you? It's more, what are you going to do differently? Treating someone like an adult, treating their responsibility over their results as an adult-like responsibility, right? Same thing with my daughter the other day. My, my daughter was like, 
dad, I need you to help me out. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, whatever you want, whatever. Yeah. I need you to remind me to brush my teeth every day. And I, said, <laughs> I, I said this, I said, I'm going to treat you like an adult and I'm going to say no to that request. Why? Because if I forget to teach, or if I forget to tell you to brush your teeth and you don't brush your teeth, whose fault is it? And she's like, well, that'd be your, your fault. Dad. And I was like, yeah. So in this scenario, it's going to be your responsibility to brush your teeth. And I'm going to hold you accountable to brushing your teeth because your friends won't want to talk to you if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it was kind of neat kind of seeing service star trading in the real world, which is, you know, sometimes in parenting, you can see where you enable a child by always packing their bag for school. And so the one day you forget to pack their bag or you had some work engagement in the morning early and you didn't pack their bag. Well, now it's your fault that my bag wasn't packed. It's your fault that my bed's not made. It's your fault that I didn't brush my teeth. This begins at a very early age where we enable and we start to help people more than they actually should be helped. And, and it, and it kind of bleeds into our management style, unfortunately. And so we start to become the buddy parent. Hey, I just want you to feel good about me. We go into managing, looking for best friends. And at the end of the day, if you're, if you're looking for a friend, don't be a credit union manager, go sell ice cream or something like that. Because <laughs> If you're if your job as a coach is to push people to their highest potential, then your job as a coach is to push people out of their comfort zones. I don't know about you, Taylor, but you don't get a lot invited to a lot of weddings pushing people out of comfort zones. Maybe after the fact, like <sighs> when you're removed from the situation and they respect the work that you did for them in their career. But in that moment, when you're going up to the the uh, the member representative after the the member leaves and says, "Tell me about that last transaction," they're usually not too excited to talk to you about that last transaction. So. Coaching, wow. coaching's hard. Coaching the right way is hard. Doesn't make a whole lot of friends. It does give, uh, gain respect. But at the end of the day, if you're, if you're looking to be a, a buddy uh, or a friend or something along those lines, uh, a lot of times pushing people out of their comfort zone um, is, is, is contrary to, to that goal. Well, it, it's, 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 it's funny you say that because it's a lot easier to be a buddy, to be honest with you, right? It's, it's no fun being that person that maybe you're at work and your entire team knows that they have to do something because you said it, right. It's that manager side, but isn't it amazing? I know I look back at some of my professors in school, the ones that held me to a higher standard and challenged me, put me in that uncomfortable zone while making me comfortable along the way were the ones that I remember today. The ones I have much more respect for the ones that I talk about and brag about to others, but I can guarantee you, I did not, have that same admiration for them in the past. So, you know, I kind of, have you had any of those experiences yourself? Yeah. Dan Farrell, Christina Stamper. Um, In college, I was focused on a lot of things and they were the ones that grabbed my head and they, and they kind of buried it back into the things that would actually get me graduated out of college. (laughs) Um, I would say, you know, so I'm big into strengths finders now. I wasn't back then, but I would say the developer, and maximizer was probably two of their biggest strengths because uh, really when you are in strengths finder and you have a, a developer as a manager, you have somebody that is looking beyond just Scott, the guy who comes into class late, they see the future leader and they're like, listen, <laughs> grab you by the ears. Like here, here's what you need to do. You just need to get an internship. I don't care how you get it, do it for free, but you need to get an internship this summer because you need to have something like that on your resume. I remember those two people in my career early um, that just, they're like, you need to, you need to come talk to me after class. And I'm like, Oh, am I in trouble? <laughs> 
I was, but it wasn't in the way that you would think. I was in trouble because I couldn't see what they could see in me. And I, to this day, Christina Stamper and Dan Farrell, that was 20 years ago. Uh, those two people were very influential in my life. And so to your point, you and I, really good friends, right? You pushed me to, to areas that I'd never been pushed before. My best story in training is I almost fired my best friend. BG and I got along really, really well, but it took coaching him really, really hard for us to gain that mutual respect. So initially, yeah, selling ice cream, best way to get best friends as a manager. You're probably going to make a lot of friends selling ice cream, but uh, trying to move people out of their comfort zones, maybe not right away. <laughs> like you came up with those names as if they were written down, literally. I know they weren't, but it's amazing how quickly you were able to recall that. But to your point, uh, so many of us are looking at ways to, to coach, but also in an environment where we want to be. So I guess I'm going to ask you that question too. What if you are currently one of those managers that is a buddy or a friend, or it's just easy for you? What would you recommend someone do if, if they're, I'd say, suffering from being a parent at work? Yeah, typically. Yeah, typically, if you are looking for people to like you, then you haven't really set a line in the stand in the sand as to what your expectations are for what good work looks like. A lot of times we have passive aggressive managers in the credit unit industry. So you're going to beat around the bush on things where it's really important to you, but they don't know that it's really important to you because you're passive aggressive in the way that you address it. You're maybe manipulative in the, in the way that you approach them being late to work, right? Whereas if you would have sat down initially and just said, hey, one of the things that I really think means a lot to all of us here is that we respect each other. And one way that you can show that you respect somebody is showing up on time. When you don't show up on time and they do, it shows that you don't respect their time. So in this culture that we're creating for this branch, we're going to have a meeting five minutes before we open those doors. That meeting is going to be able to set the attitude and the effort for what we're going into that day, regardless of what we came from in our own personal lives. And so being on time for that meeting is super important under my management. You can have that conversation on day one, but if you're a buddy parent today, to answer your question, have that conversation, write down some of the, take some time. Write down some of the things that really make you tick, make your kind of proclivity list of, of things that like for me, tr try was a bad word. Like if you use try in my branch, it was like dropping the four letter word. Uh, you just, you don't say try. If you, if you say try, I, I will tell you, I'm going to need something more. <laughs> 10 pushups. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm going to need something more for, than to try, you know, because try is just a way out of not doing something you don't want to do. So I'm going to try wasn't enough. So just letting people know what those expectations are first and foremost, maybe taking a look at the job descriptions of those people that you do manage and sharing it with them and say, Hey, I want you to circle some of the areas in which you think it's super important for you to do your job. And out here, I'm going to add some areas that I think are going to be super beneficial visual behaviors that are going to allow you to have really, really great outcomes in this position. If you share those expectations with them and similarly have them share what they expect from a good manager, that's a adult to an adult way of having a conversation. And that gets rid of that passive aggressive manipulative kind of management style that typically exists when you're a buddy parent. Yeah. And now you have me looking at myself in the mirror times too. It's, you know, when I think of manager or leader, you know, I, you almost need them together. And as my son was washing my car, yes, my four-year-old son was trying to wash my car for my birthday yesterday. 
you know, I, I started to actually think there's the soap, there's the sponge, and you can still wash a car with one or the other. It's going to be either really difficult or really sloppy based yeah. on which one you use. But when you use them together, they do make more sense and it's a little easier. You get better results. So I think of like having a coach and a manager in the same person is better. I don't know about you. Like, tell me a little bit. How do you become a coach and a manager slash leader while trying to get your day job done and all of that? Yeah. So we naturally in the credit union industry are kind of either born into being a good manager or you're kind of forced into it, right? Like, hey, did you get your audit done for uh, for Ju- July? I'm, I'll get like PTSD if I keep going, right? <laughs> did, you, did you do your trainings on time? Did you? So this is all process operations. And so we're a bank, we're a credit union, we hold people's money. So there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of lists you can possibly get on. And so if you're not a good manager by nature, just work in the credit union industry for seven years, you will be kind of forced into being a good manager or you will be fired because you can't be out of balance five days in a row. You can't not take the BSA training. You can't not do the audit for 911 or else you're going to get, you know, written up. So we have a lot of ways in which uh, we manage and we're really, really good at manage. So management. So we overmanage and we undercoach because uh, even if you're a great coach coming into the credit union industry, unfortunately, because there's not a big emphasis on coaching, it can actually be recessed. It could be a skill that you actually stop, stop using as much um, because it's just not one that's be- being asked for. It's be- what's being asked for is that you get your audits done on time. What's being asked for is that you meet your budget on time. What's being asked for is that you hire uh, correctly and you staff correctly so that when the members show up, there's actually people in your branch all of what I just said is management related. And so you don't get promoted in the credit union industry unless you're really, really good at sound management skills. So there's over management under coaching just because we don't really focus on that other side. So to be a good leader, you have to have both. And to be a good leader, you have to be kind of trained and shown the way in both. And so I would say the credit union industry does a really good job of showing you the way, the hard way on management, because it's a bunch of course correction, right? It's the call from HR saying you didn't get payroll in on time. It's the call from auditing saying that you didn't get your audits done on time. It's a call from the training department saying you didn't do the BSH. I'm starting to give myself PTSD. I got to stop. I got to (laughs) stop. You know, you, if you're a bad manager, the credit union industry will either get rid of you or they'll figure out a way to, 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 to learn you up in the way that is processes, outcomes, operations, that's management. Coaching's behavior, coaching's people, coaching's the stuff that we just, we don't have a whole lot of training in. And it's, to be honest, the stuff that because we don't have a whole lot of training in it, we're really not the experts in it. So when it does come up like, hey, uh, you know, uh, BG's looking at me weird, make him stop. I'm like, is he out of balance? Cause oh, really? I can, I can fix out of balance, you know, this relationship stuff. Uh, you know, I just, I don't have a whole lot of training in that area. That's why we've been so successful for 23 years is because we're, we're filling in gaps. We're not changing cultures. We're coming into cultures that are fantastic and thriving. They just have some gaps. And a lot of times those gaps are coaching. Yeah. It, it's so true that, and you don't know it until you have it. And you can look back and say, oh, that's really what a good leader looks like. I know you and I, we've been blessed with some fantastic, like truly revolutionary leaders when we were at Baxter. And I don't think I would have been the person I am today without some of them. In fact, I know I wouldn't be. The other side of it is I didn't realize that there's so many out there that that fundamental piece is missing. And it's not to cut anyone down. It's oftentimes you're learning from 
your predecessors. And it's that, you know, you know, I, when I look at like a manager, it's that, you know, determine a problem, you know, create a action plan, implement that, execute, and just have someone execute it. Right. But that other side where it's a coach is oftentimes, and I'll say John Sagan, because he's, he's he'll help you identify and help you work through different solutions and kind of being that sounding board while in the back of his mind, knowing what's there and then help guide me along. It takes time. It takes work but he's not going to tell me that solution. He's going to work with me to help me identify multiple options for that solution. And he's going to support me along the way. Yeah. So uh, it's, I could talk all day. So it's, so, show, it's, so, it's so hard to not give a solution. We, tra- right. we train, we train that if you have someone who's able to do the job, but they're not willing to do it to the level of their potential, meaning they're one of the people we did a survey uh, where we asked credit union employees of 500 credit unions, hey, you know, how do you treat work? 84% said I could do significantly better at work if I just wanted to. Oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> if, I, if I simply just wanted to put in extra effort, I'm all there. I just don't want to. It doesn't make them bad people. It just means that they view work differently than you and I do. So if we coach those people the way that we would need to be coached, we would give them solutions because clearly that's what we would need. We'd be like, dude, I'm messing up here. Give me something, right? If I if I was misfiring at work, I would call Taylor. I would call Mike and I would say, I want to do a good job for service arc consulting. I know I'm missing in this area. I need a solution. So when we go into a confrontation or we have a redirection that's needed for performance uh, behavior that is out of alignment with our missional alignment, uh, let's say they're coming into late uh, to work or they're not respecting their teammates or they're not offering new products and services to people who are just coming in to cash a check. So they're not looking for ways to financially benefit members coming into the credit union. Whatever the deficiency is, we have to look at, is it an unable ability that they, they need instruction or, or training? And in that case, we can give them a solution. That's training, right? But if it's, I'm able, I'm unwilling, now we've got a scenario where if we give them a solution, whose problem is it? I had a new branch that I was building out and I, I've built out several branches at, at, at BCU. But one of the first things you do is you come out with a, a BD plan. And I got the question, hey, you're really good at business development. I would love for you to give me the plan. (laughs) Taylor, you couldn't have said anything that would make me more happy. And I'm like, you're right. I'm the solution expert. Congratulations. You won the solution lottery. And, uh, and I'm about to give you 10 solutions. You pick one, it's going to work. Well, they picked one and it didn't work. And I thought maybe my solutions aren't as good as I thought they were. What I didn't know was I was giving a solution to someone who was unwilling to do their Mm. own solutions. They asked for a solution as a way out of actually having to come up with their own solution and working on something that they owned when it was my ownership that they were going to quote unquote try. There's that word again. Now they've got an out. Well, Scott, I tried your way and it it didn't just it just didn't work with my members. It just doesn't work for this location. What else you got? Wait a second. <laughs> now you're openly soliciting for more solutions. Whose problem really is it at the yeah. end of the day? Now I've just owned that problem. I've just enabled that employee to not own their own problems. And the solution, by the way, if we're talking about solutions, the medicine you give to the diagnosis, the the illness of unwillingness is ownership. 
you ask this question. I'm giving free training away. If you're listening to this hey, podcast, congratulations, you're getting free training. What are you going to do differently to be able to live out our mission in this way moving forward? What are you going to do? If we're in basketball and you refuse to play basketball, it's like me giving you the basketball and now I'm just going to watch you. Now you have to make a choice. Are you going to dribble? Are you going to pass? Or are you just going to sit there and hold the ball? When we ask the question, what are you going to do differently? We're literally giving someone who's refusing to play basketball a basketball and we're watching for their response. And now we're going to really understand, are they so unwilling that they're unable and now we're going to we're going to coach them a little bit differently. I won't give the the full secret recipe away. Uh, more on that later, but um, but that's that's kind of how that conversation will begin, and that's a very effective way versus just giving all the solutions. Which, by the way, you're probably way better at solutions than they are. The real solution for someone who knows how to do the job isn't brain science, isn't the best thing they could come up with. It's willingness. The solution is I will do it. The solution is I'm going to put a, a sticky note on my computer that reminds me that I should every member, every time look for a way to financially benefit them. So it doesn't have to be, I'm going to solve the Iranian nuclear crisis tomorrow. That's my solution. Um, the solution's just really, I'm going to, I will. Yeah. There we go. You hear that? You got a solution that's, that's, that's workable and, and we can, we can work with that. Well, and you hinted at that because you're right. Business development is coming up in episode six, but that's I will right. say as you, We'll use the G.I. Joe reference of knowing is half the battle. And I'll let you go shortly here. But some of that is, all right, I'm listening to this. I hear Scott talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, knowing is half the battle. If that employee or that person, that leader is sitting, listening to this right now, what do they do? Like, What resources do we have or what do you have that you'd provide them as suggestions? Yeah, the credit union leaders for podcast is so good because it's basically us giving all of the training material away for free. So just keep listening to the podcast. Subscribe. At a severe discount at zero ninety nine, <laughs> free ninety nine, right? Severely discounted at zero dollars. Um, but you know, uh, the 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 thing that I think we have always done, um, which is really really nice, is we we will take calls and consult with anybody and anyone. So if you're in a situation thinking, well, yes, Scott, that kind of scratches the surface, but you don't know my tellers. You don't know my people. Call me. Like, <laughs> go to the website, servicedarkconsulting.com. Call me and uh, and we'll talk about your specific scenario. And I'll, I'll walk through some different ways and tactics based on our research. It's not based on stuff we thought up in the shower. Like, this is based on Filene Research Institute's uh, baking out what to actually say and do uh, when we have highly effective leaders in the credit union industry. What do they do? So this is, this is kind of out of that research that we've done with Filene. So certainly give me a call. Give Mike a call. Give Taylor a call. Um, yeah, we, we are not reading somebody's book and then training off of that. We are real credit union people with real working relationships and experience that we can apply. And we can tell you all the ways not to do it because we did those things and they didn't work. So it's better. Well, to learn. we know someone who has, right? <laughs> learn from your own. Yeah, for sure. Well, so you're telling me it's a simple, this is my cheesy gimmick, right? To say, so you're simply saying go to servicetarconsulting.com and on the very, very top, there's an easy to click button that's in yellow that says schedule a call and I can instantly get on your calendar, Scott. For How easy free. is that? For free. Super, so, super easy, super awesome. exciting. And, uh, and then you get to see our faces too. Video does yeah. kill the radio star. So if you if you prefer the, the audio channel, just give, yeah. <laughs> give us a call. Just ignore the pictures on there and uh, we'll talk to you then. 
Well, great. Well, thank you for being part of this. And uh, this was my first time as host, and I hope to have many, many more. But it's always awesome to talk to you. You have such energy and passion for this, and I like working with you for that exact reason. So you enjoy the rest of your day, and I'm looking forward to the next time we have an opportunity to talk as well. Thanks. A special thanks goes to Taylor Murray for asking the questions on today's call. We're going to keep on flipping the script on the next couple of podcasts. Make sure you get a chance to hear from all of us here at Service Star Consulting as we finish up season three and look towards season four with great content, new content, including that business development teaser that Taylor lets you know about for the next episode. But until then... Keep on listening and subscribing to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And to reach out to us, I put it in the show links, the website to be able to put time on our calendars. We look forward to talking to you then. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast.